Hey, listener, do you have a story to tell? Just like the podcast you're listening to now? With Acast, it couldn't be easier to start a podcast. We have all the essential tools you need. From recording and editing audio to sharing and promoting your show, you can even make money from your podcast all in one place. Basically, we handle all the boring stuff, so you can focus on having fun and creating exactly what you want to share with the world. Get started with a three-month trial of our paid plan using the promo START. Just visit go.acast.com slash start. TJ, 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 absolutely in his bag early in the season. We get a full-blown roast of Tina and maybe his best fake-out of all time. Plus, there's poolside photo shoots for the boys. Kayla is eager to get political. A puzzle nearly takes out my top-ranked female. Mark checks in with his mother and then also his Mark doll. Our first medical DQ of the season, an elimination battle of wills. And this yes versus West thing is going to get really hard to say really quickly, isn't it? It's the challenge. All-Stars 3 episode 2 recap coming up right now. <laughs> What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, and it's no longer MTV's The Challenge. It's just The Challenge. I really got to get used to saying that, but either way, past, present, or future, if it's happening in The Challenge ever-expanding universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me today. On this beautiful Friday morning where we are now about a day and a half removed from an absolutely amazing, mind-blowing, earth-shattering, blissful-filled day of challenge goodness when All-Stars 3 dropped just two days ago, Wednesday the 11th. I assume if you are here listening to this, you have devoured the first two episodes, same as I have. If you have not, as always, thank you for being here. That's very kind of you, but There is a little bit of a process to this. You probably want to watch an episode, listen to the recap, watch an episode, listen to the recap. And we did recap episode one back on Wednesday. That is up on the feed and live today. We are here and back to dive into episode two. It was so unbelievably kind of the challenge gods to give us two episodes right out of the gate. We got to cover them both independently. We are here today to discuss episode number two. So we will break down everything from that episode very, very soon. Only housekeeping notes or schedule notes to say up front is that I will be back next Wednesday with the episode three recap. Late afternoon Wednesdays is when these episode recaps will be posting all All Stars 3 season long, assuming that there's only one episode per week. Uh, Still haven't gotten firm confirmation that they're not doing two episodes at a time. I think that was just a week one sort of thing to get the ball rolling. But if they were to do two episodes next week or any week throughout the season, we will cover them same as we have done this week on a Wednesday, Friday cadence. Otherwise, Wednesday afternoon will be when these episode recaps come out. And along with that, The Rewatch series continues strong. The Gauntlet podcast was released last week. I'll be sharing a bunch of clips and episode recaps from that season this upcoming week on Instagram, a little backwards. Normally, we do the episode recaps first season podcast after, but flipping it around for this one due to some travel and different things going on in my life. So those will be coming next week, and then that'll roll right into Inferno content on Instagram and the Inferno recap podcast two Mondays from now on the 23rd of May. 
as always, those are available, or at least as of today, still up and available to be found on dailymotion.com, as well as potentially if you do some other internet sleuthing, you might be able to find those and watch along with, or just follow along on the Instagram, watch all the episode recaps, the clips, everything there, listen to the podcast, either way you choose, that is great. With that, that's all for scheduling. Only other thing I want to say is this. Everyone listening needs to go over to Mark Long's Instagram page and make sure to show that man, show the godfather and his mama some love. This season of All-Stars is so incredible already. It is just unbelievable how good this show is. Again, getting better and better each season of All-Stars that it goes. And this entire franchise is thanks mostly to that man. It's also thanks to us, the fans that followed along, but he started it. He led the charge. He is the leader of the We Want OGs movement. So make sure we are constantly letting him know how appreciative we are of him bringing this joy called All-Stars into our lives. So he's going to be talked about a lot on this episode. He was very prevalent in this episode of the show, but always good to remember that this guy is pretty much responsible for putting this on our television screens, and we should make sure that he knows how loved he is for that. With that, let's get into it. Same agenda as before. We're going to do Cliff Notes recap of the entire episode, walk through the storylines that dominated the screen time, some awards to hand out, power rankings update, and finish it out with predictions for next week. Sound good? Sounds great to me. Let's go ahead and dive on in and recap every single little thing that happened plot-wise in this week's episode. Say this week's episode, but uh, it's actually, you know, two episodes this week, but you know what I'm talking about. Eventually that will make sense. On to the Cliff Notes recap. Here is everything that went down. I know we watched two episodes. It was so exciting. Our adrenaline was running. Maybe you kind of blacked out during it and all the joy, and you don't really fully remember exactly what happened. Well, here you go. I've got you covered. Every single thing from episode two as quickly as we can run through it. Three, two, one, and we are off. A pool party starts the day at the Challenge House, which includes all of the guys doing photo shoots, I guess it seems to be, and some of those photos are now popping up on Instagram. Very good stuff, gentlemen. Kayla comes out playing the game hard as she asks Wes straight up, who is he going to sabotage? While he deflects, it's clear he, Kayla, Sylvia, and Jemmy may be a possible alliance brewing there. We then get a touching call home from Mark, who chats with his mom about her ongoing battle with cancer, and the photo of her rocking the We Want OGs tee is just absolutely everything. I can't, it was just So, so great. Love seeing Mark and his mama chatting. Melinda then fills in Tina in on her ongoing ankle problems resulting from last season's final before we head off to the daily challenge. At that daily, which is called Out of Reach, you've got to swing on an actual, like, children's swing 35 feet over the water and get high enough on the swing to knock your key off and into the water. Once you hit the key, jump in after it, swim to land, put together your star puzzle. The best time wins. The worst time goes straight into the elimination. On the female side, Tina somehow manages to fall off of her swing, resulting in a disqualification and a second straight trip into the arena for her. On the men's side, Yes takes the win, barely beating Jordan, who received one of the first sabotages from West prior to starting. Letarian ends up taking last place and is going into the arena alongside Tina. Back at the house, it's party night. The crew goes out to a nearby establishment for some drinks and strategy talks. Tina gets a little too demanding when speaking with John A about who she doesn't want to go against, rubbing John A and eventually Kayla and Jemmy the wrong way. Deliberation ensues, and after all agreeing to save one or two people they are closest with, the group of Yes, Jordan, Brad, Kayla, Kendall, John A, making up the authority, all vote on the remaining names and end up with Mark and Melinda heading into the arena. 
at the arena, Melinda decides to call it quits because of her bum ankle. TJ pulls an all-time fake out that Tina would still have to pick someone to go against before saying that she and everyone else is safe. Men still compete in a competition called Lights Out where they are tied to the same pole that rotates on a center axis. They have to pull each other until one gets in position to hit a switch and win. And after 45 grueling minutes digging in the sand and trying to not give up an inch to each other, Mark is able to outlast Latarian, get the win, send LT home, and the Godfather back into the house, a little extra motivated, a little extra upset that all these people whose hands he feeds, they threw him in this early. We will see what he has to say about that on next week's episode. But that is your Cliff Notes recap for episode two. Let's now dive into these storylines. Now we got our head wrapped around everything that happened. Let's talk about some of the specifics, some of the storylines that stood out for this episode. And we've got to start it off. We may just start off every week with a little a little thing I'm going to call the sweat check-in because, holy cow, if you listen to me talk about episode one, and uh, it's going to be prevalent again in episode two, it looks so damn hot in uh, Panama Clearly, uh, I was actually DMing with a couple different cast members asking them about the heat specifically, and Naya was really, really cool and messaging back and forth a couple times with her and reminded me the simple fact that it is a jungle climate, and so the humidity is just off the charts, and that makes total sense. I didn't. I mean, obviously, we know it's hot, but watching it is just unbelievable how sweaty these people are getting, how quickly and how hot it must be, and how much, if I was them, I would be dreading any idea of doing an endurance-based daily challenge and or a final challenge in this heat and humidity. It looks looks insanely hot. This week, it was a little less prevalent than or this week, this episode, since they both came out the same week. Episode two, it was a little less prevalent than episode one, but still very much there. And it leads me to think that throughout the season, there's a good chance that if and when these people are at the challenge house, there's a very good chance they're going to all try to stay inside where there's some air conditioning. And if they are outside, they're going to be in that pool. So I'm just going to throw in an early prediction that there is very little time spent, you know, just hanging out, chilling on the outside of the challenge house. If they're there, they're going to be trying to soak up that AC as much as they can. All right. So that's your sweat check-in. Then the biggest storyline of this episode to me was that the game really kicked up in earnest, that everyone was playing really, really hard right away. That very, in contrast, kind of the last two seasons of All-Stars, everyone in this house is here to really play the game and play the game hard. And definitely, you know, that's led, we thought going in, and we definitely saw in episode one that was going to be led by West most of all, who, you know, that's, that's his whole thing is how, you know, how into the game side of it it is and the strategy and the politics and everything. And he was very out loud and uh, brash about it in the first episode. But in episode two, um, while we'll get to West, he definitely is still still doing all of his West things. It's really Kayla that leads the way. There's a, a list of people we're going to touch on here in this kind of this overarching storyline of everyone playing really hard, really early. But Kayla really gets things going. First, she, you know, right away is right in Wes's face over breakfast of who you going to use your sabotage on, which um, if you're just tuning in for episode two's recap and you weren't here for episode one recap, I'm going to probably refuse to call them sabotages and just say grenades. We already got used to saying grenades once upon a time back on vendettas. That was difficult enough, and I'm just going to stick with that. They should have stuck with that too, in my opinion. So if you hear me say grenade, I'm talking about the sabotages or saboteur, whatever they sabotage, I think is what they call them. Not not as great of a name. So 
she gets right in Wes's business. Like, who are you going to use your grenade on and why? And, you know, tell me your whole game. You seem to be want to talk anyways. Let's talk. Let's put it all out there. And it's Kayla and Sylvia and Wes and eventually Jemmy joining as well. Definitely seems like at least those three women are certainly working together in some in some fashion. Kayla and uh, Sylvia later on, we found out, are definitely like each other's number one. Seems like Jemmy is a part of that, and it seems like Wes is very much, uh, at least this is one of the groups that's open to working with Wes. Um, we'll touch more on him later about you know how different people in the house are viewing how open he is about wanting to play the game and build alliances and backstab and this, that, and the other. But Kayla gets right in his business. He kind of deflects. She goes right back in. And she's really, you know, everyone's just having a chill breakfast. And she's like, you know, I want to get in here. I want to play this game right away. Then we get her later on, not only, you know, throughout a couple, when they're out at the bar, she makes her opinions very known, very openly to a bunch of people. But the big moment for her was in the deliberation, which, uh, We'll just talk about it now. Uh, we'll maybe come circle back around to the deliberation in a minute when we go through a few other specific players first. But in the deliberation, she has the best strategic moment of the episode in the best of, in the early goings of the season by far, but a brilliant, brilliant strategic move by her. She goes into the deliberation. There's six people there, and she knows that in that group of people that everyone there knows that Sylvia and her are kind of each other's number ones. It's very obvious. They are two, you know, the youngest people coming into the game, the freshest from, you know, from when they were on debuted on flagship to now. So they are the youngest in all different manners of ways of thinking of this cast. They've, it's been very obvious from the first day they were there. She knows everyone here knows I'm with Sylvia. So because they all know that, they all have that piece of information for me. I don't have that piece of information from them. I have some ideas, but I don't know for sure. So she very smartly says, what if, you know, they had a little discussion, then she kind of chimes in. What if we go this route? What if everyone here says one person, one or two, if you want, that you will not say their name? Essentially, let's save some people knowing that this means what I'm asking you to do is tell me who your number one, and if you're willing, even your number two is, because you know mine, so I can sit here and say, oh, I'll start, like, I'm not saying Sylvia's name, all right? She's off the board for me. I will not vote for her. But in her mind, she's thinking, you all already know that. Now tell me all the information I want to know. She, a couple of them aren't sure. I believe it's yes that even says, like, you know, she's kind of putting us all on the spot. I don't know if I want to actually answer that or not, but they eventually all do. And she gets all of this valuable information. She takes the six competitors who not just in this challenge, but also for the most part, all of them did really well in the first challenge too. So kind of the six people that are slowly, but surely setting themselves apart two challenges in, she finds out who all of their number ones are, who they're most tied to. And then eventually uses this to, I don't know who exactly, um, you know, was leading the charge once they got down to two or three guys to pick from. Who was leading the charge to say Mark over everyone else? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping we get more on that in next week's episode because it was a bit of a shocking decision. But fantastic strategy from Kayla. And she's going, you know, right at Wes over breakfast when he's, you know, the big, the big bad dog in the house that's wanting to do all the strategy and all the politic and this and that. She's going right at him. She's running a deliberation. She's making her opinions known to anyone who wants to know them. She is already starting to comment on the, you know, she's done it before and it's always so 
kind of hilarious what she does, but the tongue in cheek, the, you know, I'm not, I don't like drama. The drama just follows me or, you know, and it's like, well, you are the one you're definitely, you're not stirring things up yet, but you are certainly getting in there, being an aggressor, playing the game hard early. I love it. It's good for the house. It's good for the game. It's good for the show. She is not the only one though. Uh, there's a reason it wasn't just Kayla playing the game hard. That was the storyline of this episode. It was everyone kind of turning the game up very early, very often. Jeanne was the next one, mostly thanks to her moment with Tina. But in the first episode and a little bit this one, you could definitely tell jeanne has got some very deserved confidence about her bef- that, you know, on the flagship show, there was maybe a not, it was lacking a little bit. When she came into the All-Stars world, she definitely was a brand new person and she had a lot more of it and it's what helped her get all the way to winning last season. But now you can tell she carries herself like a challenge champion because that is exactly what she is. And she wants the respect of walking around as one of the challenge champions in the house. And so when Tina comes to her and kind of very aggressively says like, hey, uh, you know, John A offers, who do you, do you have anyone you want to go against that? Like we can consider. And Tina says, no, I have two people. I will not go against. You will not put them against me. And just gets, you know, a little bit over the top with uh, you know, a little demanding for the person, you know, in the seat she's in. And John A is like, you know what? I don't totally love how that went down. She goes and talks about it with, I believe maybe Kayla and Jemmy, uh, maybe Sylvia and Jemmy, two of the three of them, if not all three of them, and lets her know that them know, like, you know, Tina, I, I wanted to get her opinions and everything, but she gave, you know, she was a little, a little demanding and giving them to me. And I don't know if now that kind of rubs me the wrong way. I'm the one in the power position. I feel like, you know, you should have been a little more cordial about it. And eventually she does while in the moment viewed from Tina's perspective, John A, along with the rest of the authority, just went 100% against her wishes because they wanted to and because, you know, they wanted to stab her in the back or something like that, which is fine. You're going to have to use that for your own motivation. But from John A's perspective, she, they do in the authority end up in a like situation where they're kind of picking from more or less the two people that Tina didn't want to go against. It, but John A early letting it be known, I'm a challenge champion. I run this shit. When I have the power, you will respect the power that I have in the game, and I will do with it whatever I damn well please. Love seeing that from her. Then we get to the other two people that come out and are playing the game very hard early is Yes and Wes, who it is very obvious they're setting up, and we're now, you know, they started to set it up really in the first episode, and now this episode was part set up, part the beginning of the show that I believe will be kind of one of the biggest storylines of the entire season, which seems to be yes versus Wes. Going to be difficult to say if we have to talk about the two of them going at each other for a bunch of episodes in a row, I am end up going to end up calling them each other's names over and over. It is just, it's very great that we end up with uh, a possible, uh, you know, two people in the game going at each other. And of course their names are Wes and yes, Wes signals this first, uh, actually outside of the show. We, uh, if you're kind of paying attention or maybe following him on Instagram or just really locked into the challenge world, you might've seen this coming because Wes, uh, did an interview recently. I apologize to the publication that the interview was with, uh, but a magazine, I don't know which one I'm not going to try to remember, but in the interview, uh, he chatted about a whole bunch of things, but one of the things is he took some shots at yes. And, it, they were basically, if I can remember and paraphrase, it was basically, you know, 
when the person sells themselves as this great person and everyone tells you how amazing they are and wonderful of a human are, you got to look below and, and the, the, they're hiding something beneath there and he's just as you know dirty and big of a snake as the rest of them and maybe he's even worse because he tries to act like he's not. That, that's essentially what he went for in his interview and then I believe says more or less the same thing here in this show in a confessional. He thinks yes is a bit fake, that it's all show. And I've got to say, one, I, I don't think Wes genuinely feels this way. I do not think Wes thinks yes is some hidden bad person. Uh, I think this is just yet another form of Wes, you know, finding an angle, going with it, riding with it. It's great television. It's great theater. That's what Wes does. And again, as we talked about on the episode one recap, the great thing about Wes is even if you're, you know, and you can tell he's a little bit playing a character it somehow still feels very authentic and genuine. It feels like the character he wishes he could actually be in real life, but in this world, he's allowed to be it, so he gets to go ahead and have all of his fun and do all these things and say all these things that he might not 100% mean or 100% if this was just in the real world outside of TV screens and a game and anything, might not actually put those thoughts out there or have those thoughts in the first place. But it's a, it's a solid angle to go at to say, you know, if someone is viewed as this, just this unbelievable great guy um, that you go at that person for, it's fake. It, it's all a lie. He's a snake oil salesman. Like once you actually know, if you knew what I knew, if you saw what I saw, if you, you know, you took it from my vantage point, this person ain't so great after all. They're lying to all of you and they're getting away with it. And that's why they're winning. It's a really good angle. The only pos- problem with it in this instance is that I'm pretty sure yes is just 100% a great, great, great guy. Uh, I don't think there's any there's any truth to the angle, but that doesn't make it any less interesting or entertaining that Wes is going all in on, hey, yes is actually secretly a piece of shit who's just using this, using all of you and all this goodwill. It's all fake. He's just using it to get to the win and try to win another season. It'll be entertaining and interesting, even if uh, at the end of the day, I couldn't see it being further from the truth. I'm pretty solid and confident that, yes, is an absolutely wonderful human being. Yes, on the other hand, doesn't like how Wes plays the game or talks in general, which at this point deserved if he's starting to hear any of the things that Wes is saying about him. Um, I totally deserved. But yes, wants to play the, you know, the laid back, everyone be friends, let's do things as, you know, as diplomatically as possible when we do have to send people into elimination and, you know, let's get along. Let's all try to better ourselves while we're here. Let's all like every, I want every relationship to be a positive one in this house. He's doing all that. He doesn't want to do the strategy, the political, the manipulating, the backstabbing, any of that. And when Wes comes in and says, that's my whole bag, baby. Like that's, that's all I do. That's what I'm here to do. That's what I love. Let's get into it. Yes is like, okay, this is, we're basically polar opposites in how we play this. I don't like that. I would like you to not be here. Um, he's not the first, but maybe the first who can actually say that, like, I don't do things that way and it, have it be truthful. Uh, because as we said, we do believe, yes, is this is all authentic. This is who he is. He is this wonderful person. There's a lot of people in the history of the challenge who tried to pull the, you know, I just, I want to play the game fair. I'm not, you know, uh, I don't do things the way that that person do, does things. I feel, you know, I feel betrayed, this, that, and the other. And they're saying it just because something bad has happened to them and not because they actually are that person. It's not actually truthful. And yes, this case, it does actually seem truthful. And it actually does check out with the, his history in the game 
in that he doesn't want to play that way. He really does. On All-Stars 1, he got to the final because he stayed out of elimination because everyone literally was like, dude, he's the person I've had the best time with here that like we've talked about life. We've like tried to help each other. We've given advice, support, encouragement. We've had laughs. We've, you know, had some shared some tears over memories, whatever. Yes is my guy. Like we can't, we can't get rid of him. He's just such a great person. And it got him all the way to the final. And then he smoked everyone in the final. He's trying to do that again. Clearly, there's going to be more to come from these two. It's just really getting started. I feel like the table is fully set, and in the next episode or two, we're going to really get the clash of these two versus each other. And that brings us to who's going to align with who, because one episode in, I was like, okay, Wes, it's really over the top. You're really in everyone's face about this stuff, and it feels like other than Nehemiah and Melinda, who now Melinda being gone, no one's going to really want to work with you if this is how you're going to, how it's going to go down. Um, that, you know, he was targeting Jordan and you know, uh, that people might side with Jordan, but now, so if it becomes West versus yes, it feels like the house would side with yes, but our only kind of thing so far to go on is that, that table, that breakfast discussion we saw where Kayla, Sylvia and Jemmy were like, you know, we, we could maybe go with this guy too, Wes while age wise, you know, pretty up there with a majority of the cast, but in game years, while he debuted early on fresh meat season 12 with a plenty of these other OGs, he's one of the few that was on for so many seasons that, you know, he was just on double agents. He's played, you know, he was on the seasons with a Sylvia and a Kayla and all of Jemmy's seasons where they might have not have overlapped with everyone else. So those three, it makes a little more sense, maybe me op- more open to it, but it seems like everyone in the house is still feeling out how do we want to play this Wes angle? Do we want to be with him, against him? He's very clearly going to divide the house, whether it's just him versus everyone or him and whoever he can get on his side, but he wants to divide the house. He's starting to build a division and an obvious opponent, and yes, maybe taking his aim off of Jordan, although it, we get more in this episode, even more discussion of you know Jordan's in the authority, he can't come up. But a few other people note on, oh, dang, like Jordan dominated, even though he had the one minute penalty, almost won the daily challenge. We have the fun moment between he and Wes uh, over him, you know, setting the stage, turning on the lights for Jordan. People still are definitely eyeing Jordan, but Wes first, yes, may become the dominant alliance or breakdown of the house for the season. Final note then on the first big storyline of everyone playing hard. The deliberation, it is very interesting again. I've talked about it before, but just want to say two for two in making me enthralled by the deliberation. That does not always happen. So maybe I need to come around on this name, The Authority. Uh, I really don't like <laughs> the name, The Authority. I don't like you know any of the, the lingo they've come up with this season. Not a fan of Sabotage, not a fan of The Authority, but got to say I am a fan of the authority in action because two for two deliberation sometimes you know can be really really great moments of the show can also be the moments where you're like can you just fast forward through this and show me more of that jungle party or anything else that's more entertaining both of them so far have been pretty fascinating pretty enthralling not sure where they're going to end up and I'm not 100% sure how they actually ended up where they did a lot of different people getting voice and influence in so very very good no straightforward decisions yet but I'm loving 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 how the the break the, the politics of the game are breaking up down so far that there is no straightforward decisions that there is no obvious you know there's west first yes seems kind of obvious there's all the guys wanting to get jordan out maybe a little bit obvious but otherwise like this game is wide open there the alliances are wide open and that means that we could get some very very dramatic 
interesting, changing, switching, backstabbing, all kinds of nefarious stuff to come in the episodes to come. Let's move into a couple other quick storylines from the episode. Uh, touch on the daily challenge first, uh, knock out our sporting events here. The daily challenge, absolutely fantastic. Really, really great. This is the stuff we want to see from the challenge. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And obviously with the daily challenge, the the main thing to discuss is Tina disqualifying herself. I do not know what happened. I mean, I watched it back a second and third time. I don't understand what is exactly going on, how she originally you know, did she, she obviously just leaned forward to try to get her swing going and lean too far and kind of fell out of the seat. But then is, is she just straight up hanging from her hands? And if so, in the position she is like, that's an incredible amount of strength. Like she's just kind of hanging, uh, you know, horizontal to the ground, her butts out of the chair, her feet are just hanging. It's unsure if she's attached in any way other than just her arms. It's unclear how long she hangs like that. I mean, long enough for people on land to shout some tips or like, try to do this, try to do that, and I'll get a good laugh in before she falls and disqualifies. But I don't know how that happens. I'm not 100% sure how she couldn't get back in. If she could hold herself where she held herself, then it seems like getting back in would have been easy. You know, I wouldn't have originally thought getting back in would be an easy thing if you fall out. But the fact that she held herself in that place for so long makes me think, could she not have gotten back in? I don't know. It's a, We all get a great laugh out of it. TJ absolutely roasts her for it, which just sidebar, TJ's obviously, he loves doing All-Stars so, so much. I mean, he, he clearly loves doing all versions of the show, but... He clearly is just so much more comfortable uh, in the All-Stars setting. He can be a little more himself, add a little more off the cuff, just him actually being the host that's just talking and you know walking through and commenting on stuff. And he absolutely roasts Tina. It's hilarious. And for her credit, Tina takes it like a champion and understands like this is all in good fun, which I don't know that over on the flagship show, if you did this to certain cast members, that it would be taken all as good fun that, you know, you're, I just had this embarrassing moment on television and now you're sitting here, you know, uh, you know, coming at me, roasting me over it, making jokes about it. We're all laughing about it. That's not cool. Instead, Tina's like, yes, this is great television. Yet again, you're welcome. Even if it's at my expense, you're welcome. I am entertaining as always. She always, always is. And the other thing about Tina disqualifying, though, it absolutely saves Kellyanne, who we've got to say of the few performances to comment on from the Daily Challenge. Kellyanne, my pick, not only the one I'm rooting for to win on the female side, but that I picked to win on the female side as well, The was not a, a good look. I mean, she dominated the puzzle in the first episode. I believe she got second or third place. But this one, she gets very frustrated very quickly and allows it to completely derail her. And if not for Tina DQing, Kellyanne was going into that elimination. So something to keep an eye on uh, was a bit alarming for me, both rooting for and wanting to be right in my prediction of Kellyanne to win. So something to keep an eye on for sure. The uh, other couple performances to touch on are Darrell, play just the veteran savvy comes through in a big, big way. Darrell quickly realizes both I'm ripping up my hands and I ain't ever getting up to that box. I'm just not good at swinging, it turns out. And so being the smart person that he is says, you know what, I'm going to stop. I know that multiple people in the first heat took the full 20 minutes, then dropped and swam over and did that puzzle, which means if I wait to the 20 minutes, I will drop calmly. I'll save my energy. I will not rip up my hands. 
and I am confident in my ability to, to finish that puzzle faster than Wes and Letarian did from the same starting point. That's what he does. He avoids last place. Very savvy stuff from him to just avoid. Why tire yourself out? Why rip up your hands if you're, you're confident that it's not going to happen? Move on. Find another way to not get last place. Darrell, veteran savvy all the way through. And then the other person that must be mentioned is Jordan. Wes gives his sabotage to Jordan, which is a one-minute time penalty. Sylvia gives hers, I believe, to Kellyanne, uh, which is another part of maybe why Kellyanne was a little extra on edge, thinking like, oh, come on, really? I'm the first one that gets one of these all season. Sylvia hilariously, you know, does the TJ can Wes go first. I, I remember her being like, you know, a little nervous at times and a little like tepid and like, I want to play this game. I love it. I want to like do political stuff, but I'm also terrified of doing all this stuff and saying names or doing anything. And, but, uh, it's definitely the, the anxiety is real on Sylvia's face at all times, uh, in the, for these first couple of episodes. Um, so hoping she, she comes to be a little more comfortable with that. I don't know if it's, I mean, it definitely was there a little bit before it's more, it's there way more than I remember it having been on the couple flagship seasons she did. Maybe it has something to do with, you know, being that kind of youngest in challenge years and one of, if not the youngest person, I think Jordan might be the youngest there, Sylvia, Kayla, Jordan, they're all around, uh, the youngest people, but maybe it has something to do with that with, you know, feeling if anyone feels a little more uncomfortable in the setting of the house of like, should I be here? Does everyone else want me here? Anything like that? Maybe that's playing into it, but I don't know, but it's, it's causing great television for her to be like, Oh damn it. I have to do this. Can West go first? Okay. I'll do it. Okay. Okay. And TJ just not having another comfortable TJ moment of like, no, say a name. Come on. Just love all of that. But Jordan gets the minutes penalty. And as he says to Wes later, it's just Wes, you know, putting him on a stage, turning on the lights, pulling back the curtain and letting him perform. He absolutely crushes it. He almost wins the whole thing anyways. Without that time penalty, he definitely was going to win. I think he finished just a few seconds behind. Um, Yes, but uh, big performance from him. Big performance from production. So far, two for two on dailies. Love, love, love them. Big performance from Tina. Thank you, as always, to Tina for all of the great laughs and entertainment, whether they're with you, against you, at your expense, at someone else's expense. What a wonderful person she is. She will come up much more throughout the rest of this episode as well. Then the final storyline of the episode to talk through before we head over to some awards is Mr. Mark Long, the Godfather himself. Very prevalent episode for him. Definitely, while this was not... You know, we get some episodes from time to time that are the blank episode, the single person episode that are just kind of all about that person. This one was not all about Mark because there was a lot of stuff going on. But if one person was the biggest focus of anyone, it definitely was the godfather, Mark Long. It starts off with him getting a call home to his mother, who is uh, ongoing battle with cancer and getting to check in with her on that. It's very heartwarming, you know, tugging at the heartstrings stuff, getting to see them talk. Um, but it's wonderful getting to see the unbelievable connection that they have and the support he offers to her and she to him. It's very, very wonderful. It's a beautiful relationship. They're both beautiful people. And I've got to say the little montage of, of all the different pictures of his mom, specifically the one of her wearing the We Want OG shirt, just absolutely had me you know, feeling all of the great positive emotions that you could feel. Loved that, loved getting to see a little behind the curtain what's going on in this incredibly busy man's life, the one 
as we said up top of the podcast that we owe everything that we're seeing on television is owed to him that he created this whole thing so getting to see behind the curtain get a little more of that story um you know sending all of our well wishes to his mom uh he does keep fairly keeps people more or less up to date on his Instagram, how that's going. So uh, definitely if for some reason you're listening to a challenge podcast, but don't follow the Godfather on, on Instagram or across social media, do send him your love, send his mama, your love, the whole thing. Then we move on and Mark becomes even more prevalent in the episode because he feels pretty safe in the house, but somehow in the end of a deliberation, they come out and they tell him it's you going in against LT. He's a little bit shocked. He handles it very well. He does not get super upset about it. He kind of puts it off to the side of, I'm going to go compete, and then if I win, when I come back, I'll get to the bottom of how this exactly happened. But a lot of the people in the house are a little bit shocked that Mark is selected. I think we will get a lot more on this in the future. But he feels pretty safe. He feels like he's got people that have his back in the authority, but he is not one of the top people that anyone picks to save. It comes down to a couple names to go from, and somehow, some way, they pick Mark over Wes, which is another kind of little signal of it feels like everyone in the house should kind of be against Wes just immediately, but it seems like no one has decided whether they are with or against and wants to make that decision or that move early on. But I mean, putting Wes in against Letarian would have been a you know great shot at getting that guy out. Instead, they put Mark, and we head to the elimination, and that is where we'll we'll follow up both on Mark and the elimination to finish out our our commentary on the sporting events here. Him versus Letarian, which just from the top, got to say, as always, Letarian, unbelievably great guy. It's been so great having him on all three seasons of All-Stars, getting to reconnect as fans with him and what he's got going on and who he is. What a wonderful human being. Um, he, We learned that he wants to be a single dad, that he's decided he wants to, you know, through surrogate, uh, bring a child into the world and be a single dad. Amazing. I can't can't imagine how great of a father Letarian will be. So loved, loved, loved hearing that. Uh, but added to the, you know, the drama of Mark versus Letarian, we love these both beloved people. Now they got to go against each other. It's a heavyweight matchup and they play the game that now all the way down. I don't remember the name. Let me go back up in my notes lights out, which reminds us a little bit of uh, the back on the duel Brad versus CT very famous elimination where instead of being tied to it with a uh, like a rope or a bungee or whatever the way Mark and Letarian were they were standing on it you know having to push from either side get to the one side unclip the carabiner famously CT rips the flag off DQs Brad goes to the final where Wes wins his first win in the duel so similar to that in a little bit um, but they're tied to it they got to pull each other through the sand. And uh, Mark and Letarian just absolutely warriors in this. They battle like complete and utter warriors. From LT's standpoint, I will say I do like the idea of, I was even having it myself as he slowly got pulled back a little bit of, no one ever said you could, couldn't go backwards, you couldn't go the other way and try to catch the person off guard and get them off of their you know, their feet and then be able to have all the momentum to run back the other way. I like the idea. I think it could have been executed slightly better when he eventually did it i feel like between how much the like the group was talking to and telling him like give this a try that mark was way too prepared and ready for it um but it i, I like the idea i like the try very inventive very creative and it almost does work it feels there's a slight moment where mark gets pulled back 
upwards, and you're like, if he topples over backwards, this works. And Letarian runs, sprints all the way and gets this win. Mark holds it down. He gets the win, and it's all thanks to that experience really, really, really coming into play because these two are both absolute beasts of human beings, strength-wise, very even heavyweight matchup. Mark experience won this entire thing for him, not just having played maybe anything like this, but having just been around, watching, being there for the show, hosting the show, watching other people do it, following the show, I assume, way more closely in the seasons he is not on than probably Letarian is doing. And knowing the moment they get down there, the first thing he has to do is get flat to the ground, dig as deep down in your initial position as possible, and that the entire game is never go one inch backwards. If you can go one inch forwards, great, but never go one inch backwards. Stay as low and flat to the ground as possible because the moment you get pulled upwards at all, if they get that leverage, if they pull you over backwards, you are absolutely toast. The whole thing's over. He knows the experience. He knows how to do it. He digs in. He knows he's in for the long haul and just textbook victory on Mark's part, knowing this is going to be a battle. It's going to take forever, but I know exactly what to do and I am going to do it. And I am never going to give one inch up and just every couple minutes, I am going to try to move one inch forward and dig a new little hole. And the whole time I'm going to keep my chest to the sand, flawless execution by him taking out an absolute beast in Letarian. Very sad to see Letarian go. I don't know if we'll see him back on All-Stars again. It seems like maybe he's, you know, come back and been surprised that he's done three of them in a row. Um, I believe he's talked outside of the show um, about maybe this has been enough for him, that maybe he wants to just continue on with other things. Now that his his profile has added a bunch to his fitness uh, career and everything else, so... Hoping we see him again because I just I love Letarian. Um, I really should get into his fitness program because I I would just love for him to be the guy, you know, sending me a little motivational clip. He's such a motivational guy and figure. And every time on All Stars or in past seasons where you know he's one to give a little kind of rah rah speech, little pregame speech, uh, rally the troops, so to speak. Absolutely love it every time. Gonna miss Letarian, but the Godfather remains, and now the Godfather reenters the house and maybe shake things up a little bit, figured out who was coming after him. So those were your big storylines of the episode. Let's move on from them. Let's pull out the hardware. Let's give out some awards for the best of the best from episode two. Kicking off the awards, as always, with our best quote of the episode. Five nominees here. The first two both go to Darrell. First and foremost, he walks up to the Daily Challenge. He sees a bunch of stuff hanging over the water. He sees a crane, and he lets DJ know he understands, but he doesn't like it. Let's hear that from him. I hate all heights. I don't like this shit, TJ. But I know you always got to bring out your crane, so I'm going to play your game. Then Darrell again. Uh, he We get through a couple different confessionals. We get a little bit of a story of why Darrell doesn't like his the heights so much. And from a, a childhood experience on a roller coaster and his mom forcing him to do something he didn't like and now he hates heights. So he then went hanging up there, not able to pull off the swinging portion. He wants to blame his mother for his difficulties in this very daily challenge and his fear of heights. So he does so in hilarious and loving fashion. Let's hear that second one from Darrell. When I was five years old, mama made me get on this roller coaster. I didn't want to get on it. I was screaming so loud. They had to shut the ride down and we had to go. Now you know why I don't like heights. No point. I ain't gonna lie, I'm terrified. So you know what, TJ? I'm gonna slow this motherfucker swing down. I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna wait on my mama to come get me. Mama, 
and you come get me. You know I don't like kites, and it's your fault. You made me get on that roller coaster. Then, of course, we have to mention TJ. As always, TJ's always finding a way to get into quote of the weeks, quote of the seasons, and just always dropping gems throughout a season. Of course, him roasting Tina here comes with some memorable choice words. Let's go ahead and listen to Tina uh, to TJ's opinions about Tina's performance. Great job. I can see some people definitely dominated the playground. Some of you didn't. Letarian, not so hot. I'll be seeing you in the arena. And Tina, obviously, you didn't do anything in the playground. Why? No! Tina. Why? I did great! Wow. I was the first one down! (laughs) Tina, I have never in my life seen anyone shit the bed that bad ever in my life. I'm getting better with age. That's strategy. Okay, I like it. Well, Tina, I'll be seeing you in the elimination round. (laughs) Then fourth nominee goes to Yes, who, in explaining his why he maybe doesn't love the game that Wes plays, takes some shots, and we were here for it. We loved it. Let's listen to it now. Wes showed his cards early in the game. He really, really enjoyed the sabotage. He loves the, the, the dirtiness of the game. Here's an opportunity to take our little second-to-last Wes and feed him to LT. People that enjoy cheating or enjoy sabotaging Wes are fucking open game to me. Fifth and final nominee then goes to Kelly Ann, who, in the uh, once we're in the arena watching these two gentlemen warriors go at it, comments on what she feels like watching Mark, this man possessed, executing perfectly and flawlessly in this brutal elimination. What the analogy she comes up with for him. It's great stuff. Let's hear that from her. Dig in. Dig deep. Nice fight. Nice fight. Mark reminds me of some kind of predator, just slowly waiting out his prey before he eats them. Absolutely was waiting out his prey. Got that meal, but... Kellyanne does not get the quote of the week. For that, we do have to give it to Darrell, mostly because he was nominated twice, but also because we just love Mama Come Get Me, It's Your Fault. Anyways, love, love, loved that and that entire story from Darrell. So quote of the week goes to Darrell. As for the best moment, five nominees as well, most of which we have at least mentioned at some point during this podcast already. The first one goes to Mark and his conversation with his mother. Uh, Really enjoyed getting to see that connection. And as someone who does follow Mark and kind of his life uh, and everything he's putting out in the social media world very closely, I, you know, aware as a lot of fans, I believe are very aware of the battle his mother is going through. And so getting to have a little check-in, get to bring that to the screen and getting to, you know, hopefully all of us send all of our wishes and thoughts and encouragement to him and her uh, was really, really great and heartwarming and, and great to see and get a little behind, behind the scenes, uh, you know, sometimes the the calls home to loved ones are a little bland, and it's like you know, it's nice to see that you know you you know you're calling your husband, you're calling your wife, you're just calling your kids. It's great, but when there's some real substance to it, you actually get to learn a little bit about the relationship, about what's going on in their lives. Uh, it's really really compelling stuff. As was that. That's nominee number one. Nominee number two, Tina's disqualification, TJ roasting her, both the whole thing, Tina falling. Uh, everyone's reactions, TJ's reactions, Tina's reactions, all of it, obviously an amazing, amazing moment. Third nominee, we touched on earlier, but Jordan and Wes, specifically Jordan, I will say, loses, gets docked a couple points for using the same, uh, the same kind of thing, uh, 
talking points twice over, first in a confessional right before the Daily Challenge, and then to Wes's face afterwards back at the house, which actually, I take it back, instead of losing points, he probably gains points because he kind of calls his shot. He says it beforehand, then actually produces on the stage, and then reiterates to Wes that he did, in fact, you gave me this stage, you turned all the bright lights on me, you let me perform, and guess what? I performed and whooped ass. As always, thanks for that. Wes has to do the little kissing of the hand of the entire interaction they have is fantastic and you can tell and I appreciate Wes being open about and the rest of the guys in the house being open about the fact that they fear Jordan they should I'm glad that they're open about it that no one's trying to be bravo you know macho like no we're all you know I'm as good as anyone here I'm the best here I'm not scared of that person you should be scared if Jordan's in the final he's going to win you've got to take him out beforehand flat out that's the way this game's going to go and I'm glad and I appreciate Wes's honesty saying you're the one guy in this house I don't think I can beat you're my target. Fourth nominee then, Mark again, uh, this time a little different chat that he has with his Mark Dual 2 doll. Love that he brought the doll with him. I always love seeing it in the background of some of his Instagram lives. Um, I wonder, I think he's the only one that got one of those, but I'm sure many of the other players are like, where can I get my doll from some season? But uh, great camera work to kind of fake us out at first of, you know, you could kind of tell something's up and it's a little cheesy here. It was very reminiscent of back on Spies, Lies, and Allies when Ed is talking to himself in the mirror and they keep the camera away so you don't realize that he's talking to himself until they pan over it. Same thing here. Very good comedy, very entertaining stuff. Yet another reason why Mark, as well as this entire cast, they're pros at this. They know what they're doing. They know how to make entertaining television authentically, genuinely funny, just all around great. Fifth and final nominee then, which is the best moment of the episode. I very offhand referenced it earlier, but TJ's fake out in the elimination. TJ is one who loves to try a fake out. He He's done quite a few over the years. More of late, more recent history is filled with them. They're usually the last four or five seasons have not gone by without him trying somewhere, some way to fake out the cast and you know lean like, we're going to actually do this. Oh, I'm just kidding. This is what's actually happening. Usually they they land, but they land soft. They They do land. He pulls it off but that none of them have ever been like, holy shit, you just completely got everyone here. We're all shocked. You got our, our anxiety went through the roof and then came back down and we're, you know, everyone's mad. This one, he got them so freaking good. He got me so good. I, you know, if you're someone who was watching and you knew the whole time um, that this, this was a complete fake out, I, I don't know if I believe you because it was that, that good that Melinda's like, you know, I'm not going to do it. TJ without missing beats, like, okay, well, uh, that, you know, I respect that, this, that, and the other. But Tina, that means that you still need an opponent to face this night. Go ahead. You can pick anyone up on. And it was mostly that he enunciated that anyone, and he really drove in that literally anyone up there, uh, authority included. I think that was really what got everyone like, holy shit, this is real. She's about to pick one of us. What's going on? Tina gleefully, gleefully, turns around to survey her possible opponents. Everyone there believes this. 100% across the board, everyone believes that this is happening. They're all shocked. They're shook. Everything. And then TJ gets the moment of, I'm just kidding, and gives the laugh. Love TJ's laugh. Love that he finally not just landed a fake out, but like absolute 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100. Nailed it. I, I hope he can pull more of these in the future, but he will never pull one better. He can only ever hope to do as well as he did with that one. It's the best moment of the episode. I it, 
just everything about it. It's one, it's up there early nominee for one of the best moments of the season. Then finally, our third and final award is our episode MVP. We have one, two, three, four, five nominees to roll through quickly because pretty much everything with all of them we have already discussed at some point. There is Kayla, nominee number one. She got a couple votes, made the ballot very active this episode. We talked about the great strategy during deliberation, making everyone say their alliances. We talked about how aggressively she was playing the game early and that that's great for us as viewers, makes it more interesting in the house. I love seeing that from her. She gets some votes. Tina also makes the ballot, gets some votes. She's just all over the place this episode from the disqualification to, you know, going at John A a little too hard and rubbing uh, her the wrong way and maybe creating a little friction there where it was unneeded to her being pissed off at being voted or Melinda being voted in to her winning by default, just all over the place. Very, very prevalent. Love Tina, giving us so much already so early in this season. She gets nominated, doesn't quite pull the win, though. Jordan also gets nominated for episode MVP, gets a couple votes, makes the ballot, does not win. Great performance in the daily. The West interactions, um, a part of the very interesting and enthralling deliberation authority segment. A lot of good stuff from him. Then there is Yes, very active as well this episode. We talked all about it, you know, winning the daily, targeting West. Him and Veronica, we get the first little montage and couple pictures back from, you know, Semester at Sea in their early seasons, which we talked about in our season preview. We were thrilled to see the two of them on a season of the challenge together again. So loved that. But yes, Jordan, Tina, Kayla, they made the ballot. They got some votes. They do not win. The episode MVP has to go to the Godfather. He wins, uh, you know, the moment with his mom, the moment talking to his doll, winning the elimination, doing well in the daily. He's present throughout the episode and really set up to have a big impact in the episode following this one. So hats off to the Godfather. He takes home the MVP of episode two. We're now two dailies and elimination, two cycles through. Four people have gone home. Let's update our power rankings accordingly and not a whole lot has changed. Nothing has changed on the female side for us. We are going to stick with Kellyanne, Kayla, Janae as our top three. That is the same order we put them in after episode one. And while we, you know, we again didn't love what we saw from Kellyanne and how you know quickly frazzled she got there over the puzzle and let her, you know, kind of let her emotions get the best of her and, and just kind of spiraled out of control there. But Considering that we saw her kick ass in a even more difficult memory puzzle the week ago, I'm not going to be that concerned. I'm just going to chalk it up as everyone has a bad day and move on. It's not going to affect that I still fully think that she's going to win this season. And certainly it will never change the fact that I am 100% rooting for her. While I, I, there's almost no one on this season, guy, gal, anyone, um, that I would be upset about winning. I am rooting for a couple individual people. Kellyanne is that person on the women's side. Kellyanne, Kayla, Jane, stay top three in the power rankings. I like where Kayla and Jane are at. I like that they're active in the political uh, goings on early on and that they're both very good competitively and have done well so far in the first early uh, daily challenges. So that's where the female side stands. On the male side, a slight change up in that I'm going with a tie for the top spot. La after episode one, after episode one, I had it as Wes, Derek, and Yes was my top three. After episode two, I'm going with Wes and Yes in a tie for the top spot. Until one of them takes each other out, they are going to be right there. Whoever wins that little battle, that one-on-one -on -one battle, 
I think is in the driver's seat of the season. So I have them tied for the top spot until one can knock each other out. So I like having them tied up there at one, which then number two, I'm putting Jordan. I feel bad that I didn't have Jordan on the top three to begin with. Because as I stated earlier, if he makes the final, he will win. There is no doubt in my mind it is not going to be even close unless the final is way different than anything we've seen for the last 12 years of the show um, and there's any endurance. He's just in a world a world apart from these people as far as an endurance athlete specifically goes um, and can do everything else well. And so if he makes the final, he's going to win. But they all know that. They all are open to that. And so he's likely going to end up in multiple eliminations and we'll see if he makes it through, but he's got to be in the power rankings. He slides in at number two. Derek rounds it out at number three. He was at number two before. I dropped number three. Just really love where he's sitting right now, both being able to compete at the highest level, but from a social political standpoint, seems like he is going to be in that small grouping of people that just kind of skates because they're not going to be a part of the major, you know, major battles of a West versus yes or major target like a Jordan has. Just really like where he's at in the background and then like his chances if he makes a final to be able to compete very well in it. So we got Wes and yes tied first, Jordan, Derek rounding it out. Everyone after that, both on the men's and women's side, we're only doing top three because again, these casts are stacked. Anyone could honestly win. And as we said earlier, the game is wide open right now. So it's hard to even put anyone in the top three, but that's what we've got coming out of this episode. Final thing to do here then before we head on out of here's update our predictions and add some for next week's episode. Our preseason predictions, we um, immediately got the first ones wrong in our first out. We thought it'd be Cyrus and Jemmy. It was not, so we were over two there. But through two episodes, our picks for making the finals and winning are all still in play. We said Wes, Nehemiah, Brad, Mark, Kellyanne, Kayla, Veronica, Ronnie with Wes and Kellyanne winning. That would be your final eight contestants. So far, so good. Everyone looking solid. No one eliminated. Good job by me there. Over to our predictions we made from episode one going into episode two. We made five. We got three of them right, two of them wrong. The ones we got wrong, I thought Nehemiah would figure out who was single. Uh, and he didn't. He didn't follow through on that. I'm still looking to you, Nehemiah, to get that sorted because I was wondering that myself coming into the season. I loved that little moment he had with Cyrus and Letarian in episode one. Uh, he did not follow through on that yet, but I bet... I bet that's not the last time that we'll see that come up. Jordan will be voted in. I said that. That didn't end up happening. He got in the authority and uh, didn't make that possible. The three I got right, though. Everyone will be all very, very sweaty. That was correct. Nailed it again. I think I can just predict that for every single episode, and I think I'll get that right every single time. King's Palace 2.0 would be created. I gave myself a yes that I got this right. Now, there there was a moment, because there was a moment in this episode where we saw... Uh, Nehemiah, Letarian, and Cyrus kind of chatting. Um, we we heard a King reference be made, and it was just very clear that Nehemiah and Letarian were still rolling together and that Cyrus was a little bit of a part of that, and that was what we kind of thought that that alliance would turn into, and we got just enough confirmation that even though Letarian's now leaving, that we're going to go ahead and say we got that correct. And then Wes will be thrilled to use his grenade. Sylvia will not be nailed that one all the way through for next week's episode. We are making four predictions. First one, West versus yes blows up. We think it happens right away. They've set the table. It's not going to be an elongated thing. I think next week, right away in a big way, it becomes the yes versus West big time battle arguments between them, targeting each other, the whole thing. Second prediction, Jordan will go into elimination next week, predicting that as well. Third one, one injury during the daily challenge 
minimum. They very clear next week is the kind of mud wrestling uh, daily challenge that we saw. It a lar- took up a large portion of the trailer. Uh, looks like we're getting that next episode, and it looks like it's going to be brutal and physical. And I'm, uh, I hope no one gets hurt. I don't want anyone to ever get hurt. But this feels like uh, someone's gonna someone's gonna twist something, uh, bruise something somewhere. So one injury during the daily, and then the fourth and final one is that TJ will make us all laugh. He's doing a great job of it so far this season. I bet he's going to keep on doing it. So those are our four predictions for next week's episode. And so far, absolute A+. I said it on Instagram. 10 out of 10, episode one. 10 out of 10, episode two. All-Stars 3 kicks ass. It is exceeding all of the highest, most lofty expectations that I had. I'm loving it. I'm confident. So far, it seems like the entire fan response is very much in line with my own. Uh, And I totally get why. It's just absolutely 10 out of 10. They knocked it out of the park. So much fun. We will be back next week on Wednesday afternoon to cover episode three in the off chance that there is two more episodes next week. We will be back Wednesday and Friday. Um, we will also be on at Challenge Historian on Instagram covering a bunch of gauntlet uh, content over the next four to five days and then rolling into some Inferno content for uh, two Mondays from now, the Inferno season recap podcast. So if you haven't been following along the Challenge Rewatch series, First seven seasons are available on this very podcast feed, which since you're already there, you might as well hit that follow subscribe button, maybe throw a five-star rating our way. All of that is very much appreciated. And uh, just, we love you for it so, so much. We thank you and love you for being here listening today. We'll be back next week. Enjoy your weekend. I will talk to you soon. Until then, peace. If you're serious about podcasting, Acast is serious about getting you paid. With millions of dollars paid to our podcasters, we're the best in the business in helping you make money from your craft on your terms. From ads and sponsorship by the world's biggest brands to getting paid directly by listeners through Acast Plus with subscriptions and one-time purchases, Acast offers more ways to earn revenue than any other platform. Join Acast with a three-month trial of our paid plan using the code JOIN. Just visit go.acast.com slash join.